everybody. Welcome to Dr. Drew Podcast. We appreciate you guys being here. We appreciate you supporting the show. And again, the Corolla Faithful, if you guys could head over to my streaming show, I think you would like that very much, particularly on the Wednesday shows. I am on uh, 3 o'clock Pacific time generally on Wednesday with Dr. Kelly Victory, who has some very strong opinions that are quite different than mine, but it makes for an interesting program. And we have been interviewing all the people that have been silenced during the pandemic. And while some of them I find over their skis and sort of not not all that credible, uh, I'm certainly willing to listen to what they have to say. As I've said before, you know, we used to call outlying opinions throughout my career. We called them interesting, not misinformation, this freaking term that got invented during the pandemic. And so they are interesting and they've got interesting ideas, interesting observations. And inevitably, I take away something from every single one of those programs. And uh, I do think I had to give you a little bit of a primer uh, on uh, the recent controversy around DeMar Hamlin uh, and what happened there. I mean, it's just, okay, it's a tragedy and thank God it turned out well. Uh, but let me just talk to you a little bit about some of the um, – just a couple minutes on the, the sort of how to understand what happened there because we have no – we know nothing, right? We know zero. We know zero. We have no information other than he had a complete cardiac arrest on the field and a respiratory arrest, which of course follows a cardiac arrest. Um, let me just talk to you about his neurological status. Uh, you know, When you have hypoxic brain injury or anoxic brain injury, oxygen not getting to the brain – the brain is, brain is globally injured, and older brains kind of tend not to recover from that. It, it, it really can be a you know a disaster, and they end up either not recovering at all or just you know being in a bed the rest of their life, that kind of thing. But young brains can recover, particularly if they get CPR right away, which is what happened with Tamar. And the fact that he began sort of having his ventilator tapered day two or three was an extremely positive sign. Compare that to Whitney Houston's daughter was when she had a hypoxic brain injury. Remember, she drowned in a bathtub, probably also related to substances that sort of didn't give her the sort of respiratory drives you should have had. But three days, three, four, five days into it, they couldn't taper her ventilator. And when they attempted to taper her phenobarbital, which is when they say they put someone in, a, in an induced coma, they're often using something like phenobarbital. When they tried to taper that, she had seizures. Horrible sign, not going to come out of it. That's going to be a catastrophe. Damar, on the other hand, on day two, day three, we're hearing that he's kind of moving and so that, that's it's happening. He's going to be fine. And now he may need some sort of physical rehab or neurological rehab or something for a little while. But uh, he's going to be fine. Remember Lamar Odom? Uh, Odom had an injury like this, if you remember back when, and he took quite a while to recover. He can take up to a year to recover. I don't think this young man's going to take long at all because his recovery has been so swift. And again, he did get really high-quality medical interventions immediately. So what caused all this, uh, unless they tell us something, we're never going to know – is it commotio cordis, which is this sudden strike in the chest that interferes with the normal electrical activity of the heart, causing something called ventricular fibrillation? The heart just kind of fibrillates and doesn't move blood forward. Extremely rare in football. It's typically a younger male with a thin chest wall, so like prepubertal male, getting hit by a projectile like a fist, an elbow, a baseball, or a hockey puck. It's a sudden rap on the chest that causes it, not an explosion into the chest. And you know, people get – I mean the chest is sort of the primary zone of what happens with tackling. And uh, it is not causing this ever. No one has ever seen it, right? I mean not on NFL level or even collegiate level. 
No, I've never seen it. I have done resuscitations on a football field at a high school game, and it was a young man that had a massive epidural bleed into his brain, and that looks entirely different than somebody who complains of headaches and photophobia and then suddenly goes down and then has loss of breathing. That And that kid did well because we were able to get him to a surgical ward within an hour. I mean, that was unbelievable to me that he had a full, full, full recovery. When, he, when I was resuscitating him, I thought, oh, this is going to be a disaster. But it was not. So anyway, back to Camosio and what might have happened here in this case. So you see uh, DeMar tackles. It looked like a you know, moderately significant hit, but not something where you, where you gasped. I mean, and certainly we've all seen those hits. This was not that. And uh, he gets up. So one of the things Camosio I've ever been involved with is that the child – it's usually a child, as I've said – becomes flaccid immediately. It just goes down. Pow. As soon as the hit strike, boom, down. The fact that he got up was now we have an unusual circumstance, football, unusual age, adult, and unheard of circumstance, meaning he stands up after the strike and then falls down. And what you see is people contorting themselves all over the place to make it commotio. Maybe he had ventricular tachycardia from the commotio, and that's where he maintained his blood pressure, and then that, that deteriorated into ventricular fibrillation. Yeah, yeah. That, that could be. I mean, it's possible, and the commotio certainly possible, but that is a rare – an almost unheard of manifestation of an exceedingly rare event. So we're contorting ourselves to make it that with no knowledge. Hey, it could have been all the way in the other end of the spectrum and been a pulmonary embolus. We know that pulmonary emboli, uh, venous clots are way up now from COVID not just from vaccines, from COVID. Maybe this was a COVID event. I have no opinion. Boy, well, by the way, when I tweeted about it, I was thinking it was COVID. But what I'm very disturbed about is that no one is doing the research necessary to tease out what is COVID, what is vaccine, what is vaccine plus COVID, what is COVID plus vaccine plus booster. No one is that I can find that research. And that is astonishing to me. And instead, what you see is people denying that there is any increase in sudden death, which may be true, but it doesn't look like it. So, again, this I, I am so disturbed by what has happened to medical literature right now. Uh, I yesterday, a couple of days ago, had someone tweet me about multisystem inflammatory disease, which is this thing that happens after COVID in children, particularly in adolescents. And she was talking about how if they had multi-organ involvement, it was very serious and this particular publication said it was very common and, and she said essentially let's put to sleep this idea that the pediatrics uh, have mild disease and shouldn't be and shouldn't be vaccinated. I thought to myself, oh my goodness, well maybe this explains why they're, they're pushing so hard on the vaccine and I wasn't aware. I mean, maybe I got this completely wrong. So I went into the medical literature and after 90 minutes of w pouring through the literature, at the end of the 90 minutes, I literally could not tell quality literature in quality publications, peer-reviewed data, I could not tell, having reviewed all that literature, whether multi-system inflammatory disorder was exceedingly rare or exceedingly common. That's how messed up the literature is right now. It's a mess. So I don't know what's happening to the review process or what's happening to the editorialization. I was aware that there's kind of a spooky sort of editorial kind of movement where certain things aren't published. And well, I'll point at is, for, in, for instance, the Danish mask study, 
which there was lots of excitement about. We're finally going to get a prospective study determining whether mask mandates work and the expectation was, of course, they do. And guess what? The study came out negative and the New England Journal refused to publish it. The JAMA refused to publish it and it got published in my dear Annals of Internal Medicine, which is a publication I've been reading for many years. And then it was sidelined as worthless data. Uh, I'm going to tell you something. That and the Bangladesh study were good data and consistently shows that mask mandates, not saying that masks don't work, right? I've always said that the N95 warrant 100% of the time without fail can protect you for a while. Uh, but endemicity means we're all going to get it anyway. It's funny. A colleague of mine yesterday got COVID last month. And her son, who is an epidemiologist, said, Mom, just shut up. You're going to get it two more times if you live long enough. So that was kind of fun and interesting to hear her say that. So anyway, back to the back to DeMar. So could it have been a pulmonary embolus? You know, that would explain everything. And by the way, there was something that caught my attention. As his ventilator was being tapered, his neurological improvement was quicker than his pulmonary improvement. That's rare. That's Well, that's something causing that. That's something wrong with that. Usually the the pulmonary stuff starts to improve and then you start to see the overall neurological impairment, which to me means something else was going on in his lung. Well, what else could commonly be going on in his lung? Well, as I said, could have been a pulmonary embolus, could have been aspiration that occurred during the intubation. They intubated him in the field. They put an endotracheal tube in him. Uh, could be shock lung. You can go your lung. Sometimes if you're in shock for a period of time without blood pressure, the lung fills with fluid and could be shock lung. So it could be any of those three things. Again, they're not telling us. And then there is the sort of other category about what might have made him collapse. Myocarditis, congenital heart disease, some unforeseen scarring of the heart from some other injury or from myocarditis or from COVID or from injury. We don't know. I can tell you when I had COVID, one of the things I noticed when I had the bad COVID was that uh, I had a fever of 102. I was climbing stairs and I noticed that my heart rate was 60. That was like day two of, of Delta or Alpha, whatever I had for me. And I thought to myself, oh, oh, this thing affects the heart. This thing nails the heart also. The, the, the COVID itself is doing something to the heart. And, you know, I recover without any complications as it pertains to that. But it did catch my attention at the time. And so there is a story to be told about what COVID does to the heart, the clotting system, the vascular system. We have data from Dr. Paul Ryan. Uh, excuse me, not Paul Ryan. Uh, is it Paul Ryan? Dr. Cole. I, mm, Cole, the pathologist. I'm sorry, C-O-L-E, who um, has seen spike protein in the lining of things like coronary arteries and our, our arterial system. And the kind of in, in, the, the sort of theory he's working with is that the mRNA vaccines produce so much spike protein that it's getting laid down in the arteries and causing inflammation and sort of sort of an endotheliitis there. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen from COVID. It may also happen from COVID. The really interesting question is, does it happen from a vaccine like Covaxin, which is a whole virus vaccine? I'm going to bet not. And there's a slowly evolving theory that the amount of mRNA produced by sort of um, – it's sort of overtaking the protein-making machinery with mRNA is maybe having an effect. And interestingly, the amount of mRNA, amount of protein produced from mRNA is dependent on the metabolic activities of cells, which could be an explanation why old people are not getting as many side effects and young people are getting the side effect because they're highly metabolically active. doesn't explain why it's not happening in kids, though. It's also metabolically active. And why aren't they 
Aren't we, they having more of the same stuff we're seeing in young adults and why are women not having it so much? I guess you could argue that males are slightly more metabolically active. but And they are maybe seeing stuff in the ovaries, which is a very metabolically active organ. I don't know. This is all stuff that has to be answered. And then we have the other category of all-cause mortality up that has been unexplained. That seems to be getting a little bit better, by the way. So all-cause mortality up, unexplained, and why they're not rushing to explain that, astonishing. Uh, seemingly an increase in sort of these sudden death-like things, like you know, like there was Celine Gounder's husband died at a side, you know, as a journalist covering soccer died as you know, standing at the sideline of a ruptured aortic aneurysm in a thirty-something-year-old. That's unheard of without Takayasu's arteritis. But when you get Takayasu's arteritis, you you get sick. You know it. Typically, at least in my experience, how could he have had that? How could that have happened? There's lots of these odd things. Now, is it the internet bringing increasing awareness of it? Is it a cognitive bias where we are looking for it? I don't know. But it seems to me that these questions should be aggressively pursued as we are exposing millions of people. I continue to vaccinate my older patients and boost them. At this point, I've seen the benefit and that benefit continues to get reestablished in term, even with the bivalent booster, which the benefits may only last three or four months. But there seems to be some tapering tail of improvement in terms of adverse adverse or extreme uh, Worse illness and protection against worsening COVID. But in the younger population, it's not clear what the risk reward is and no one is really asking it and we're, we're being pushed with the vaccine. And the, the, the aggressiveness with which it is pushed is what is I, what I can't understand. If I could understand more of what's under that, I, I, I think I would feel a little better in the face of having these sort of concerns, the, these things that where it's – if COVID is not a big deal, particularly Omicron for this population – or are they are they worried about a variant coming out and trying to suppress? I, I what is their concern? Why are they pushing so hard? Or is it just a bureaucracy run amok, which kind of looks like? Our friends at Shopify, the commerce platform, revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're selling. Whatever you're selling, my, my goodness, it covers every channel from in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform. It even lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. Packed with industry-leading tools ready to ignite growth, Shopify gives you complete control over your business and your brand without having to learn any new skills in design or code. And thanks to 24-7 help and an extensive business course library, Shopify is there to support your success every step of the way. It's your turn to get serious about selling and try Shopify today. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y, shopify.com slash Drew. The Drew is all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Drew to take your business to the next level today. One more time, that is shopify.com slash Drew. So anyway, those are my thoughts. Uh, happy to, to uh, entertain any calls and uh, take your calls today. And uh, any more thoughts you have on these things, uh, bring up with Adam. So you, I mean, you have, a, you have a question. I do have a question. Yeah. So in regards to what happens with DeMar Hamlin, yeah. obviously on the field, there's a medical staff on the sidelines always. What would someone do if this were to happen, the same scenario were to happen Pop Warner, just a pickup game of football. So I was involved. I wasn't directly involved with one, but I was sort of peripherally involved with one where it happened at a soccer game. 
There happened to be an anesthesiologist on the sideline. He immediately initiated CPR. That kid turned out 100% in no time. And by the way, it was out of the hospital fast, like the next day. That's the other thing with Comosio. They're come right back unless they're in shock for a period of time. And then that can prolong hospitalization and stuff. Um, but the fact that he got attention right away and didn't come right back, again, that was kind of odd. And he arrested again. Remember, they had said he had another arrest. That's weird. So there's some stuff that needs to be explained. Um, but what does the average Joe do? You start you CPR, start down? CPR, start CPR, learn CPR. This is a, the really big message from this entire phenomenon, the entire experience should be everybody learn CPR, learn CPR. You can save somebody's life in no time. Uh, I saved that kid's life that was uh, having the bleed into his brain because I, you know, was able, I was able to. I was able to. I, you know, you, that was a complicated situation. I wouldn't expect the average person to be able to manage, but because I started resuscitating him right away, that kid, and we found an operating room, we were able to get him down the hill. That was a miracle, a miracle. So you, you know, time is of the essence, and if you know these techniques, which are not hard to learn, you can make a real difference. So let let that be a. A you know, significant message to everyone out there. And let's say it's not that. Let's say they're not fully out and you make a mistake and they actually have a pulse or they are breathing. So what? You can't hurt anybody. You're not going to hurt a young person by initiating some breathing. It's a little bit of CPR. And by the way, they'll, they'll come right up uh, if you do that. Um, but I guess the harder question is how do we protect ourselves right now and how do we assess our risk? And somebody asked me that yesterday, like what should the NFL do given that there might be some added risk? And the you know, the fact that maybe the insurance companies are going to come around and maybe charge more and these players certainly don't want to be sidelined and the they don't want to the teams don't want to lose these players. What do you do? I think the only thing they can do is do cardiac MRIs on everybody and see if there is any scarring. The problem is there's going to be a lot of false positives. It's, it's too sensitive and it's going to pick up a lot of stuff that isn't real. And is that going to ruin a bunch of careers and mess up teams and stuff? I don't know. I think you got to have safety first. What if they start implementing like screenings before each game or? But when MRI screening, I mean, all the teams have MRI scans. That's the good news. They've already got their MRI. But cardiac MRIs are just sort of. I mean, I guess you're right. I mean, they'd have to do them throughout the season because people get COVID and get vaccinated and who knows what. Gosh, I have a friend going to uh, ablation therapy who clearly was vaccine injured and uh, has persistent cardiac rhythms of 200 to 240. And he's 30 years, 35 years old. And, uh, I, you know, you, 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 I interviewed Dr. Malhotra here several couple of months ago. And you go listen to that, that interview and you'll see the range of what we're seeing. It's not, it's not normal. But he also told me this morning that, that he got a call from a journalist that said, please keep this up. We're seeing what you're seeing, but the editors will not allow us to publish it, which is just – it just you know, it's not even astonishing anymore. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. And by the way, those of you that uh, – people reacted to something I tweeted where I was saying, gosh, another athlete down. I'm disturbed. And I was thinking about COVID when I said that. And people did a disgusting move. They, they read my – they thought they were reading my mind. You're talking about the vaccine. You're anti I wasn't talking about the vaccine. I was talking about COVID and that we need to explain this. We need to decide you know, how to keep people from this, explain what's happening. I do believe some excess is happening because it's just what I, I've never seen all this before in young people. And that's a signal. It's a clinical signal. And sometimes the data lags well behind the clinical signals. And uh, it's disgusting the way people uh, react on Twitter and try to pretend to read people's minds and then react to what somebody said you said. Rather than saying, hey, what did you mean by that? Ask what people mean. Ask them to explain themselves. 
disgusting. People should be ashamed of themselves. And by the way, if this does turn out to be something vaccine-related, which I don't have any opinion whether it is or it isn't, it could just like be more likely probably be COVID than, or a COVID plus vaccine. Who the hell knows? Uh, you may not feel so good about your behavior afterwards. So one thing about this illness and the vaccines is that certainty is the enemy. The, the, it tricks us at every turn. And don't be certain of anything. Until, Do you think that if that ends up being the case, that, that would come to light right away? or The vaccine? Whether it's COVID, the vaccine, mm, well, or would they it, like wait off on it? Well, you notice how they're not telling us, and that's weird. Uh, if it turns out it was a pulmonary embolus, that is much more likely to be a vaccine or vaccine plus COVID. Uh, and how do we tease that out? I, I don't know. Has this kid had COVID? I don't know. Did he have COVID recently? It's rumored that he had vaccine recently. I don't know if that's true or not. But uh, the fact that they're hiding it, they're not telling us, just it's odd. All right. Well, let's take some calls. I did have another question for you. So my other question was, you were talking about that they did a tracheal tube on him on the field. Yeah. Now, obviously, in movies, we've seen people do it with like a pen. No, 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 no. That's that's a tracheostomy. Oh, I the, see. Tra- a tra- <laughs> they actually have a, a, a hospital tube and, and a laryngoscope. So they, they put the scope in, lift his neck, look at his larynx, and then stick the tube in and then blow it up. And then now you can get fully expand his lung in all fields. I see. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking again like the everyday person. You can't do that. Yeah. You can breathe, you can you can, you know, like I said when I was resuscitating that kid on the sideline, his main thing is he needed somebody to breathe for him because he had a pulse, but it was rapid. Uh and I just, you know, his he just wasn't respirating normally because of his brain injury. He just was sort of <gasps> this kind of thing and and I got him to breathe and I actually because I'm a physician, I was thinking things all the way through, and I actually overbreathed him because I know that when you breathe off CO2, it can actually help kind of shrink some of the swelling in the brain a little bit. And I noticed he was doing something called posturing, which your your brain will – when your brain is severely destroyed, you will do this kind of posturing and this kind of posturing. And he was doing this extensor posturing. And when I would overbreathe him, that would light, that would lessen up a little bit. That would lighten up. Uh, now, I'm not recommending anybody do that. I'm just saying that was something, fortunately, I knew to do and seemed to kind of help the situation. And so Is that kind of like what boxers do when they're on the ground and they start to like maneuver their hands in a weird way? It's a little different. You, you Sometimes it is that kind of posturing. Uh, and again, it's that zone anyway. Uh, but you know, we have decerebrate posturing and decorticate posturing. It depends which part of the brain has been most injured. But when you have a global injury, the, the body does something very characteristic. I, I've sort of seen that what you're talking about with severe head injuries, and I think that's a little more just of kind of a seizure phenomenon. Like you know, they just sort of become rigid. Keep that's all. The air. They just keep rigid. They get rigid. That's all. Um, but yeah, the posturing is a bad sign. <laughs> it's a bad sign. Uh, and again, we didn't see him posturing out in the field. But again, again, they didn't give us any close up or anything. We didn't hear about any of that stuff. So who knows? All right, get some calls here. Uh, John, Alabama, fifty-one. John. How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing all right. I'm uh, just. My question is, uh, how can I bring blood my blood sugar level down without having to take big pharma medicine? Because I know all it does is keep you sick, from what I read. Well, unfortunately, that's not true. And by the way, it's not big pharma medicine. These are all generic medications that are pennies. So you, they're not even related to big pharma anymore. Uh, what, how, how old are you? How long have you been diabetic? What kind of diabetes? Tell me a little bit about it. 
Well, I I am 51. Uh, I've been a diabetic for probably 20 years. I was never diabetic till I got married, and then once I got married, then I became a diabetic. So there's the correlation. It maybe you need to get rid of that wife. Maybe that'll take care of your diabetes. That's gone. She's been gone for seven years. And that didn't cure it. Oh, my God. What's going on here? <laughs> I don't know. I've cut out soda. I don't eat that. You know, I try to eat protein and vegetables mainly. It, that which is great, which is great, and you got to do that to help help maintain the sort of steadiness of your blood sugar. Your in, insulin, you know, the changes in insulin uh, that your body produces can be problematic. And of course, you don't want to give the body a big challenge of starch or 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 blood sugar of sugar rather. But when you have diabetes, the way and I assume you've never been on insulin, right? Well, I. I've been. I the doctor prescribed me something that was a, take a shot for one once a week. Okay, and, and I, if you yeah. said the name of it, I would know it, but I don't know it off the yeah, top. Yeah, it's of one. My of, head. It's one of these newer medicines. Th- those are big pharma medication, to be fair, and they're interesting and new, and they sort of change the way your body clears insulin, rather clears blood sugars, and it also helps you lose weight. So I'm guessing that your your weight is up. Um, well, I used to weigh 350 pounds, but when I hit, when I got a divorce, I went back, I went down to 260. So okay. I fluctuate between 260 and 270. Right. But, but that weight is, is the issue here. So your body size outstrips your ability to produce insulin. And so you have excess blood sugar flying around and the blood sugar, really any excess blood sugar starts a progressive process of damage to the small vessels in your brain, your kidneys, your heart. It's it's devastating. You have to have your blood sugar under control. It's not something that you can, you know, it, it sounds like when I mean, you've had it as long as you've had and your weight is up the way it is, it, it's just not realistic to do it with diet and alone. You've got to get that blood sugar down all the time. Do you know what your A1C is? Well, the last time I checked, it was 11. Okay, so this is no good. You're, you're going to die very young if you don't do something aggressive about this. You have to do something. It's not, it's, and by the way, before we had these medications, people died quickly of diabetes. Now we can do something yep. about it. Now, if you don't want to use any of the fancy new medication, I get it, but there is a ton of generic medication that you can get for pennies whether it's metformin or glyburide or any of these things. There's a whole range of things you could be doing, including insulin, which is also not very expensive if you get some of the sort of more traditional delivery systems. Uh, And it's just something you have to do. There's just sort of no question about it. You're going to – it will destroy your arteries. You will get kidney failure. You will get blindness. You will have heart attacks. You will have drugs. It's just just inevitable. And so especially with an A1C of 11, if you can get it down to (sighs) – at least below seven, uh, you you can prevent the inevitable progression of this deadly disease that was deadly always before we had things to do to, and it wasn't, diet was always an option and was never enough for some patients. And you're one of those people, John, I'm afraid. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. And of course, you know I'm a fan of BetterHelp. I've been sending family, friends, patients, and been very pleased with the professional services they provide. And I am really tired of people not taking care of their brain and their mental health because they're worried about stigma or 
embarrassment. I mean, this is all online. There's no longer is that an excuse. Getting to know yourself could be a lifelong process. We're always growing, changing. Therapy is about deepening self-awareness and understanding. Sometimes you don't know what you want to react the way we do until you talk it through with a satellite central nervous system, a therapist, another brain who reflects and processes this with you. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Drew today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com slash Drew. Hi, what's your name? Hello. Oh, my name is Severio. Hey, what's going on? Hi. First time caller. You have a fantastic show. I just started watching about two, three weeks ago. The, and uh, the, you kind the, of opened my eyes. The streaming shows. Yeah, the one with the one I do by myself or the one I do with Dr. Victory or both of them? Uh, Dr. Dr. Victory. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But uh, this this question deals with uh, intermittent fasting, which is, well, my version is you fast for 24 hours mm. once a week. Mm-hmm. And then how often should you do that? Mm. Uh, th- this is to maintain a good good health, you know. Yeah. How old are you? And the other, and how, how old are you? 71. Oh, my goodness. Do you have any medical problems? Uh, technically, no. <laughs> how about untechnically? My, my, my doctor says I have... I have high blood pressure according his, to his statistics. Okay. But but I'm not, when I take my blood pressure, I'm 125 over 80, you know. Okay, well, that's so, good. But I, and, and I'm off all medications. All right, that's good. And maybe you have some white coat hypertension or something when you go in the office. It's a little bit elevated. But, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, do you, what's your body weight? Uh, 171, 172. So you're, and do you exercise? <laughs> that's my problem. Okay. That's the, that's the only thing in my lifestyle I don't do. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I would like to refer you to one of my heroes, Peter Atia. He has a podcast and a YouTube channel, A-T-T-I-A. He's a extremely bright cancer surgeon who th- has dedicated his whole career lately to longevity. And I was sort of pimping him. The, I was having dinner with him, and I was sort of throwing stuff at him, much like you're doing intermittent fasting. What about metformin? What about blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and he just looked at me, and he just blurted out. He goes, vigorous exercise. Vigorous exercise is the one thing, particularly after age 75 when your functionality and muscle mass starts to fall off rather dramatically. So we got, we got to do something with your exercise, all right? That's more important mm-hmm. than and, – and I'm a fan. You know, diets are – Interesting. I, I well, listen to Atia. You'll you'll get all educated up about all the different dietary ideas. But I, I kind of feel like diet is most importantly the what you'll do. And if fasting once a week or every other week is what helps you maintain your body weight, and I I I, I don't know. I, you got to find the thing that works for you. And one thing we know for sure is that all things don't work for all people. Uh, if you want a good nutritional specialist. Uh, check out uh, Kate Shanahan. Uh, she really has a lot about the seed oils and that kind of thing, and that's stuff that you can really hang your hat on. It, it's funny. Um, 
when uh, I first met her, she's a you know she's a family practitioner and a highly trained biologist. She's a biochemist, and I've said this, I've told this story before. I'll just tell you one more time, which is that she said, uh, "I go, come on, what what do you got on the nutrition front?" She goes, "Oh, nutrition, uh, how we absorb food and use food. it's way too complex biology for me to say anything except." And she has very narrow things she talks about, and she's absolutely right about everything she does. So Kate Shanahan is another good resource for you, but go. Go watch uh, what Atiyah's got to offer and get some more exercise going. Severio, thank you for your call. Martha, what's going on? Hi, Dr. Drew. I'm a longtime fan of all your shows, Celebrity Rehab. I've been sober for 25 and a half hey, years. congratulations. So just love you, love you to pieces. Um, I have a question. Yeah. Um, my my son and I, my father was a pediatrician, uh. and as it turned, he passed away last year. And as it turns out, um, he moved in with us um, about a year prior to his death. And it turns out I found a whole bunch of uh, 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 sexually explicit pictures of male patients um, when he moved in with us. And um, oh I turned them into law enforcement and long, very long story short, oh. um, it turns out that he obviously was a pedophile. And um, he, my son, who's now 23, disclosed to me that he abused him between the ages of four and ten. Oh, so sorry. What a Thank devastating! You. Oh it's my gosh! Horrifying, horrifying. horrifying. Yeah. I found an album of of un, let's say un, I'm trying to be not graphic here, untoward. Um, explicit pictures of a patient back dating back to the 70s. I mean, it was oh. just horrifying. Oh. Um, he was deemed incompetent. We we moved him to a nursing home, and he passed without really any communication from any of us. It was mm. really horrific. But my question is, um, you know, how do I support my son and myself? Because, you know, I, I went through a very abusive childhood myself. Um, because of him? And uh, he, he and my mom mm. were... were Different types of abuse, um, yeah. lots of alcoholism. Yeah, you're limited she, on time. Yeah, but um, there's a reason she was attracted to him. You know what I mean? She she brought that uh, into her house, so yeah. she must have been sexually abused or something herself. I'm so right? Sorry, let me close the door. Gosh, terribly sorry. Right. Um, so so pattern wise, I would predict that she also had been sexually abused or something. Your mom. Right. Yes, my mother, it turns out, was I found out later after she passed away that she was molested by her father. There you go. And I found out much later that my father, apparently, when he was a camp counselor Duh. at a boy camp. He, yes, it's just, it's horrific. Mm. And my precious son, who I love more than anybody on, on the earth, um, I adopted him from Guatemala. Mm. And... Um, you know, I thought I did everything right. I, yeah. I was sober yeah. and I get the guilt. Et cetera, I get et it. I get and, it. you know, it's hor- it's horrific. So are you still going to meetings? Are you still what are you doing? Oh, yes. Yeah. Are, yes. And you, I'm in therapy and he's in very um, specific trauma therapy. He's okay, a good. wonderful, strong okay, good. person. So, so but here's, he's here's the thing, it. Martha, and I, he's I hating what, it. Yeah. He's hating it. Is that what you said? No, no, no. He's my son is is fading a bit. Fading a bit. Um, fading. Like mm. he doesn't drink or do drugs or anything, but he's eating a little too much, and he's he's depressed. How old is he? He's twenty three. Is this um, person so that he's <laughs> seeing is he or she specialized in trauma and sexual trauma? Yes. Okay. Yes, he's seeing us both a psychiatrist and a psychologist, but he's just that he's got that anhedonia. He's just yeah, yeah. kind of. 
you know, like if a, he asked a girl out the other day and she said no, and like the whole world seemed miserable. Yeah, and yeah. I just feel so powerless. And he's such a joyful, lovely person. And I, I don't know what to do. Okay. Uh, first of all, you got to double down on your stuff, right? Especially the, the helplessness, you know, the, the powerlessness. Yes. The, the, you've got to, you know, maybe rework your steps with a sponsor or something, just kind of get, okay. get, get into it a little bit. Uh, for him, you can call the psychiatrist. Obviously, he will, or she will not talk to you, but you could say, look, I'm yeah. noticing mood disturbance, and I'm wondering if you need something for that. Uh, it's helpful when family calls and leaves messages like that. Uh, and then you have to find some – you know, Martha, we generally live in a spiritually empty landscape here in this country. And if you can help him engage, find meaning, find joy in something that you – you don't even have to share it together. If you could, so much the better. But some sort of – you know, it's I, I'm kind of at my wit's end these days trying to help people do that because we are just vacant. You know what I'm talking about, yeah. yes, right? I certainly do, yeah. yes. And I don't know, you know, explore with him just, you know, what, what gets him excited what, what, okay. and, and see if you can get him engaged. Was he working now? He works. He goes to school. He's finishing up his degree. He wants to be a, psycho- a psychiatrist. Um, or psychologist, excuse me, forgive me, a psychologist. psychologist. He wants to get his findings. Well, well great. Um, well, good. And, and, yeah. and congratulate him for taking care of his own stuff to make sure that he has a clear yeah. instrument when he goes out there and he'll have his own experience. People that go through this stuff become very good at, at helping other people with it. Um, right. I don't know. I, you I know, I, I wish I, I don't know him. Um, I, I'm just going to say this just because I've been, some I've been my, my, my mind lately. Is that uh-huh. sometimes connecting people to their socio-historical cultural roots has been uh-huh. helpful? You know, he's Guatemalan, and who knows? Maybe yeah. he feels disconnected from all that, and maybe by connecting him with it, there's something. I I don't know that that's right or wrong. Uh, it's just sort of something that's, that's on a my great mind. Idea. Yeah, we we have that's been using a it. Idea. I've been involved with it lately with. Uh, Native Americans and trying to get them to incorporate that into the practices of recovery, actually. Okay. And, and it turns out that, uh, you know, whatever traumas are there, there's rituals for that stuff sometimes in the cultural heritage. And yep. it, if it turns him on, if he's into it, you know what I mean? I think he would embrace that, right. really. So, he, 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 I think that, that would be amazing. Okay. I'm not, I'm, not giving that as a, I'm not giving that as a recommendation. I'm just saying it's been on my mind and maybe that's yes. something that uh, might be of use. Okay? Great. All right. Wonderful. Good luck, Martha. Thank okay. you, Dr. Drew. You Take, care. Take care. And action. What's up, everybody? I'm Sarah Gretzky. And I'm Natalie Buck. And we definitely been known to cause a scene so whether you've binged a show this weekend or you don't even know what a streaming service is don't worry because on causing a scene we've got you covered from netflix to hulu and everything in between grab your popcorn or your martini and get ready to cause a scene with your new best friends every thursday Josh, what's going on, buddy? Hey, Dr. Drew. Um, not much. So I I think Jordan Peterson is a guy that's kind of the enlightened. He's doing so well. His podcast is doing really well. And I noticed that he 
is being threatened to have his license taken away for some political comments he made. Um, and the political comments are on the right, but it's the Canadian right. Yeah. It, it's sort of, you know, I mean, we have to remember he's Canadian and yeah. he said some things about Trudeau and some, and the guy on the right, but it doesn't seem to be that far right from our standards of right. And, and they're threatening to take his license away, which makes me think the left in Canada might be kind of a little dark, darker than what we consider to be the left here. So, so, so I let's, want to know what your thoughts were. Well, let's step, step away from Jordan Peterson and just talk about what he's being asked to do. He's being asked to go get a education about social – the proper utilization of social media. Re-education. Re-education. Which is – let's talk about what that is. That's Maoist. That's Mao. That's what that was the re-education programs of the Cultural Revolution. That's the last time we've even heard of things like this. And the left, which I've been a part of, the liberal, you know, sort of, I've been considering myself sort of in that zone most of my life, would be horrified at the idea of re-education. I'm just mortified by that idea. And now they're the ones perpetrating it. It's it's mind-boggling, and they and call it re-education. He's such high stature to ask him to re-educate himself is sort of a joke. And he has to, he's, and, he's the and, guy that's leading the. That's right. He's the he's the expert. They want him to pay something like two hundred dollars an hour to get the re-education, and they could learn a lesson from him. He, as you say, he's the one that knows. Right. He's the master of using these medias, and the proof is in the pudding. Now, he's got himself. I think he got himself in trouble. You, do you know what his original source of trouble was? Why you very originally got in trouble? Well, originally, now this is years ago. Yeah. He was he was accused of basically saying that women. No, uh, no, that's not. No, that's oh, not original. You mean after that, before that, before oh, that, before that. No, this is like when he before he came became famous. I mean, right at the time he was become he became famous because he made these comments about women in the workplace. That's that was well into things, uh, and that and he's okay. been accused of being misogynistic and n- not supporting feminist, you know, and and he kind of a little bit skates around that stuff. He was I, he was painted as the alt right. Yeah, I think you I would love. Think that's his, what he is. You go look at his maps of meaning podcast from about ten years ago, Josh. I think you'd really. So like what do you them. think? So hold on, I'll tell you. So, so okay. I, I found him a decade ago, and I was because I'm always looking for people that bring together psychology and anthropology and culture. And he was doing that. He was doing it from a biblical sort of um, traditional West Judeo Christian point of view. But it's very interesting what he was doing. And so I was a listener of his podcast back when he did these series called Maps of Meaning, way back, way, way, way back. So I was with him as a fan when he got into trouble. He got into trouble because a kangaroo court, as he as he, and he called it that, and he was right. It was a kangaroo court. It was not a federal court. It was a court set up locally in the, his province to require people to comply with anyone's stated per, personal pronouns, including someone who changes their pronoun every 10 minutes without your knowledge. If you get it wrong, you're guilty of a crime. And he said, well, that is insane. That is overreach okay. of government. I'm not going to do that. I'm not." He did not really take any issue with whether personal pronouns and all that whole phenomenon was a good or bad thing. He was just saying the government l- requiring it or it's a, or it's a crime was out was, – he just stood up against it. And he, I think he lost his job at his university because of that. 
if I remember right. Uh, and then from there, he got a little more attention, and then he started doing more what he saw as helping young males. I mean, that really has been his passion. Yeah. Uh, it was helping young males, it, what, what he calls, write a narrative of their life, cr- create their life in a meaningful way. And I was always very supportive of that. I thought it was a good idea. Now, he says some things. He gets a little aggressive, and he says some things you know that you might not agree with, and, and I get it. I get why you upset people and stuff. Um, but he's trying to help people, everybody, and, uh, and he's a he's a well. I mean, to say that his credentials are the slightest bit um, questionable is anathema. He 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 is a consummate academic clinician. He's in a certain area of psychology, and it's a, kind of an old fashioned area. I'll, I'll grant you that he's not doing some of the newer techniques and things, and and sometimes I think he doesn't understand some of that stuff. Um, but it's not important to what he's doing. And then he got very sick, yeah. right? He got very sick for uh, over a year and a half. And he has come back from that, thank God. Uh, and now here See, we I are. Think it could be, do you think it could be addiction to social media? Because he's like an addict-type personality. And you know with addiction, things can go really off the charts. Yes, he tweets like he tweets like 100 times a day. I mean, yeah. It's amazing. I, I don't know, Josh, uh, but I do know his daughter, Michaela, and I'm actually going to Florida to do her podcast in a few weeks. And uh, I'll bring that kind of thing up. Let's see. Let's see what she says. Um, but she's been very concerned about him losing his license and so on. I think this is a terrible precedent, a horrible precedent. And where are the professional societies that are supposed to be representing us? I've been saying this for a long time. Where is the California Medical Association? Where is the AMA? Where is the equivalent in Canada? Protect the people that pay your bills. You're there to protect the practitioners, not to attack them and to cow them. So, anyway, Josh, thanks for the call. i got to wrap this thing up here. I appreciate it all, everybody, for calling in. I uh, hope you uh, didn't mind my thoughts there at the beginning, sort of ranting on. Uh, but I'm glad we had a caller here who has uh, enjoyed the Wednesday show. Have you noticed that? Servio, he liked that. And I suggest you all check it out. You might uh, get enlightened much, much like he was or get some new ideas. That Check it out. We'll be here, of course. And check out Adam and Drew and uh, DrDrew.com. And we'll see you next time. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. See what's screaming all month long during Pluto TV's April Ghouls. Watch hauntingly good movies like Evil Dead and Cloverfield or terrifying shows like The Walking Dead and Nosferatu. Plus, Pluto TV has hundreds of channels with thousands more movies and TV shows available on live and on demand. Download the free Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never.